Well, good morning, Pinion Hills Community Church. Who's excited to be here this morning? <laughs> well, welcome. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Pastor Incredible. <laughs> or so I've been told. Apparently during the Fall Festival yesterday, there's a guy walking around that looks a lot like me. I got a picture of this dude. I, I mean, I don't know who that guy is. He looks a lot like me. His family looks just like my family as well. But I am Pastor Matt. I'm not Mr. Incredible, not to be confused with that dude. But, but for those of you who came to the Fall Festival yesterday, by a round of applause, who had a good time here? Yeah. Good. I'm grateful for that, but I will be honest, there is no possible way we could put on a fall festival like we did yesterday. We, we estimate we had around 4,000 people that showed up to our campus yesterday. So, so yeah, praise God. That's awesome. But there's no chance we could do that if it weren't for a whole bunch of people who are willing to invest their time and their energy and their resources. And so if you are part of the staff at Pinion Hills or the Canyon Cafe or the CDC or the Academy, or if you are one of the volunteers supporting in some way doing something to make yesterday's fall festival happen, will you please stand so we can recognize you and your investment in our community? Thank you so much. Thank you for serving however you served. Perhaps you don't know the lives that you've impacted, you don't, you don't know how you've changed people, but thank you so much for your serving and for however you contributed to the Fall Festival. In my opinion, I've only been here for about a year and a half, but in my opinion, it was the best one that we've had so far, at least the best out of the two that I've been a part of. So, uh, so it was a great time, and if you missed it for whatever reason, shame on you, Jesus still loves you, but it's okay because I have a recap video for you to see a little bit as far as what happened in Fall Festival 2019. Check out this video. Except I have these quote-unquote friends who dumped 200 pounds of ice in the dunk tank when I was in the dunk tank. <laughs> not cool. Well, really cool. Really cool, but not cool. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so I got in there, and I honestly, when the ice was in the dunk tank and I splashed in the first time, I was like, I might get hypothermia. Like, I could die in the dunk tank in front of all of you people. So I pushed through. I, I'm obviously here today. <laughs> Choo! <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, so I got out of the dunk tank and I went over. We have, a, uh, we have a shower on site. And so I just stood in the hot water. with It felt like pins and needles all over my body until I warmed up my core again. But for the most part, it was a blast. In fact, you could go and see more pictures online on social media. If you have social media, Facebook or Instagram, search for the hashtag of PHCC Fall Fest and you can see more photos if you want to add more to it. So people can download them, share them. That would be awesome as well. But overall, it was a blast. In fact, we're not quite done yet. 
because at the very end of the service, we're giving out a $250 gift card, a shopping spree, right before we leave here today. So we had the wristbands. We had all these different wristbands that were given out yesterday. And so if you've already registered to win the $250 gift card, then perhaps you might win at the very end of the message today. Now, that being said, the whole reason that we put on a fall festival is because we want our community to feel as though they belong here. That's why we do that. We want, we want people to know they got family, they got a community, they got a church, they got a, people that have their back. This is a place where you belong. And if you're visiting with us for the first time, we want that message to really sink in. We want you to belong because quite frankly, there's times in our lives we feel like we don't belong. Maybe you've experienced one of those. Maybe, uh, maybe you're in a dating relationship and the person broke up with you and you're like, wow, I feel like I don't belong in this relationship. I don't feel like I'm valued or appreciated and th- that relationship is over. Or maybe you went through a divorce. Or maybe your employer fired you or they laid you off or you weren't promoted in, in your job. There's been probably times, maybe in middle school, you weren't picked for the dodgeball team. I don't know. There's probably been times in your life where you felt like you didn't belong. And quite frankly, it stinks when you feel like you're not a part. But of all the places and times throughout life where we feel like we don't belong, One place you shouldn't feel like you don't belong is church. And friends, if you are right now, if you feel like even here today that you don't belong, like you don't fit in for whatever reason, I'm sorry, because that's not the way it's supposed to be. Or if you have ever gone to any church, this church or another church, and you felt like you don't belong there, I'm sorry, because that's not supposed to be how how it is. The church is supposed to be a place where people belong. Now, sometimes the reason people don't feel like they belong is because sometimes people come in and they cause destruction, they cause harm, they cause damage within the church. Look at what Jesus says about it in Matthew. Matthew 7, 15, Jesus says this. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. A ferocious wolf, that's a pretty descriptive um, adjective there of, of describing people who are causing damage and harm within the church. Now, if you're somebody that cause, comes in and you want to hurt people and cause pain and destruction and toxicity, then quite frankly, maybe you don't belong in the church. doesn't mean we can't love you. doesn't mean we can't show you Christ's love. But, but if you're coming in to damage other people, that's, that's not the purpose of the church. The, church. the purpose of the church is not to tear people down. It's to build them up, to encourage them, to show them the light of Jesus. Not everybody gets that message. But just because you've ever sinned, just because you've made a mistake doesn't mean you're also a ferocious wolf. Look at what Jesus says in Mark 2, 17. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Just because you might have made a mistake, you might have hurt somebody's feelings, you might have done something wrong, doesn't classify you as a ferocious wolf. Ferocious wolves want to come in and they they want to destroy. They want to cause damage. But there's other people, which is probably 99% of the, the, the community, that you're not a ferocious wolf, you're just you're somebody that's, that's made mistakes. You've said the wrong thing, you've done the wrong thing here and there, but that's not your heart's desire. Bottom line, friends, is that y- you belong. Unless you're wanting to cause harm or destruction or havoc, you belong here. In fact, you belong in the big picture. This is what this whole series has been about. You belong in God's story. Look at what John said in probably the most iconic Bible verse in the entire Bible, John three sixteen, For God so loved thee, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world, and you're part of the world. But sometimes we as Christians, we, we get off track because we think that we are the world. 
Sometimes we think our little, our little uh, group of people, this is the group of people that God loves, but not those group of people over there, or not that church over there, or that, not that congregation, or not, not that type of group over there. Sometimes we think it's our group that God loves, that it's this world. But, but the world that, that John's talking about in John 3.16 is not limited to just your circle or your sphere of influence. God loves you, but you're just a part of the world. God doesn't just love the United States of America. He also loves countries like Afghanistan and Iran where terrorists live. He loves terrorists, not for what they're doing, but he loves them. He's created them, he just, just like he's created you and I. God doesn't just love people who go to church 52 weeks out of the year. God doesn't just love people who, who say a prayer before every one of their meals. God doesn't just love people based on, uh, on, on how often they do Christ-like things or biblical or churchy types of things. He doesn't just love people who have no guilt or no remorse or no shame. God doesn't just love people who, who do all the right things and go through all the right motions that have no anxiety or no nervousness or no suicidal thoughts. God doesn't just love some people, for God so loved the world. And we're a part of the world, but we're not the whole world. But we've got to remember, he loves the world. We're a part of the world. And, and because we're a part of the world, because he's created us, he's designed us, he's equipped us, we're his masterpiece, we're his handiwork, that's why he loves us. He doesn't love us based on how, how good we are. He doesn't love us based on how often we pray or come to church. He loves us because he's created us. He's, he's the author of life. That's why God loves us. So if we've been in this series, it was, as we've been talking about it, a couple weeks ago, I talked about the, the title of the sermon was, We Belong in His Story. Two weeks ago, the title of the sermon was, We Belong in His Heart. We Belong in His Love. Last week, I talked about how we belong in His Hands. Like what Paul said to the Church of Philippi, Philippians 1.6, he said this, he said, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God's created you, he's prepared you, but he's also not done with you until you have been completed by your author of life, by, by God himself. And he's not done with you until the day you meet your maker, which means God wants to continue tweaking and refining and perfecting you. And therefore, you belong in his hands to allow him to do his work in your life. So that's what we've talked about so far. Today, the title of today's message is this. You belong in his mission. You belong in his mission. And quite frankly, friends, his mission is the most important mission that you will ever have the opportunity to fulfill in your life. July 16th, 1969. Two astronauts by the name of Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin climbed into Apollo 11, a spacecraft, and they took off from Cape Canaveral, Florida, took off and spent 103 hours on their way to Mars. They fight when Mars, moon, the moon. They went to the moon. You guys missed that announcement, huh? 103 hours it took them to get to the moon. And once they finally landed there, the, the space shuttle, Apollo 11, landed, or Apollo 11, yeah, on the moon. Uh, he, they landed there. Once they got there, they spent seven hours doing all sorts of different tests and whatnot. And then finally, Neil Armstrong opened up the hatch to Apollo 11, and there is a picture of him coming down the stairs. Look at this picture, this iconic picture of Neil Armstrong about to step off of Apollo 11 onto the moon. And as he took that final step, he said, this is one, stop, one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. And I don't know if you remember that. I don't know if you were even born for that. But you remember the quote, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. You remember that because it was such an important mission for mankind. And then just two days ago, just this last Friday, 48 hours ago, 
Uh, history was written all over again because another space shuttle went up into space, and this time, the first time, it was only women in the crew. I got a picture of these women in there. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're having like a paintball gun war or something. I don't know what they're, what they're doing with those, those drills. But once again, history is written just 48 hours ago as they went up. An important, significant, meaningful mission. Two days ago, as well as 50 years ago in 1969. But my point is this, friends. The, the mission that God has for you for your life is more significant, more meaningful, and more impactful than what happened 48 hours ago as well as what happened 50 years ago. The mission God has for your life is more important than some of these most, most significant missions that we've seen in the, in the history of mankind. Now, I have a reason why. Let me share that. I, I could use a, a volunteer to come up on stage. or You don't even have to come on stage. You just need to come forward. But I have a gift card for you if you, if you want to volunteer, so you can use it over in the Kenyan Cafe and get a, a Matt Burrito. But do I, have, do I have any volunteer that wants to come forward in exchange for a gift card? I'll take you, sir. Come on down. Let's give this guy a round of applause. You're like, I'm hungry, and I want a burrito. What's your name? Emilio. Emilio. Hi, Emilio. Everybody say, hi, Emilio. Hi, Emilio. These are all your 500 friends. They're all your BFS. Take that string, Emilio, and just walk, walk down. Don't break it. Just walk down this, that, that aisle right there, okay? Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Don't trip and fall, Emilio. Uh, don't trip him either. Uh, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, she's not going to trip you. Keep going. Keep going down that, that aisle. There you go. Uh, red light. Green light. It works with my four-year-old. I didn't know if it would work with you. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. All right, stop there. All right. Now, now hold it tight. Don't let it, don't let it fall, okay? Emilio, let's just say that this string that we've got, I'm going to try not to hit, hit these people on the forehead right there. Oops, sorry, it did. <laughs> uh, let's just say that this string represents eternity, now, eternity, we all know, eternity keeps going on forever, like forever, like the sandlot. And, and Emilio, we like you, so we're not going to make you keep going like the Energizer Bunny, like keep going and going and going. We're not going to make you do that or be like Forrest Gump, I'm, I just kept running. We're not going to make you do that. You just stay there. But let's just say that this represents eternity, which is forever. And, and let's say, I got this, this thing in my back pocket. What do, you, what do you call this thing? A clothespin. Yeah, thank you. Somebody said popsicle stick. Incorrect. I've never seen a popsicle on this. <laughs> ah, anyway, so let's say this little clothespin represents your life in the big picture. Now, sometimes, sometimes when, when we're going through life, it feels like, even though this is small and compared to all of eternity, sometimes it feels like we're going through something that feels like an eternity. Sometimes it's a trial. Sometimes it's some situation or an event that we're going through in life, and we're like, will this ever end? It feels like this is going on forever. Uh, for perhaps uh, as an example, maybe if you have, have raised kids, or maybe you have little kids right now, sometimes it feels like the, the days are really long with little kids. In fact, I've heard the quote said before, the days are long, but the years are short. Now, that's not a Bible verse. That doesn't come from Scripture, but perhaps if it was a Bible verse, maybe God would say it this way, eternity is long, lives are short. Because eternity goes on forever, and the life that you have, Scripture talks about how your life is just a, a, a vapor. It's a mist. It's a morning mist that's gone by the afternoon. It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. Your life is just a little part in the big picture. But here's what's crazy and mind-blowing to me. What's mind-blowing to me is that the reason I believe that your life 
in this big picture is more significant, more impactful, more meaningful than Apollo 11, 11 landing on the moon is because your life right here, right now, has the potential to impact all of that. The mission that God has given you is intended to take your life, this period of time, to impact forever eternity. And to me, friends, that's a significant deal. Your life has the potential to impact lives and generations to come. Eternity can be impacted because of your mission, which means, friends, your mission that God has given to you and entrusted you is of utmost importance because eternity is at stake. So that being said, Emilio, you can just drop the eternity right there. I'm just going to hit all these people in the forehead. Give Emilio a round of applause. Come on forward, Emilio. I got a gift card waiting for you. And I'm just going to reel in eternity right now as, as you walk forward. But you might be sitting there thinking, well, okay, Matt, you got me. How do, I, how do I live out my life in such a way where I'm impacting eternity? Here you go. Here's your gift card. Go get a Matt burrito. It's good. It's spicy. It's, it'll change your life. Uh, <laughs> you might be asking the question, how do, I, how do I have my life impact all of eternity? What can I do to live my life in such a way where I'm living on mission? That's the title of today's message. You belong in his mission. So what is the mission? This eternity goes on forever. <laughs> I keep reeling it in. Well, thankfully, we don't have to guess that because Jesus talks about how to live a life on mission. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 28. And here's where Jesus talks about, we refer to this as the Great Commission, but buried inside the Great Commission is the mission. Let me read it. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. Here's your mission, if you're willing to accept it. Buried in that great commission that, that Jesus says, there's four impactful words, four verbs that make up your mission, God's mission for your life. Now, here's those four verbs. We'll put them on the screen. Number one's go. Number two, make. Number three, baptize. Number four, teach. Let's say these together on the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Go, make, baptize, teach. That's your mission if you're willing to accept it. Now let's dissect each one of these. Let's, let's dive into each one of these words. Go, Jesus says go. What does he mean go? Well, he says to all nations. So does that mean that, that God wants you, each person here in this room, to go to all of the countries throughout the entire world? You, you might not even know how many countries there are throughout the entire world. There's 195 countries throughout the entire world. In fact, just this last summer, a girl, a 22-year-old girl named Taylor, uh, she made it her personal mission to go to all 195 countries. And so she did it, but she wanted to do it in a record time. So she, what she did is that she went from country to country to country to country, all 195. She finished her entire journey this last June, broke and set a, a Guinness World Record for it, for the fastest human being ever to go to all 195 countries, a record time. Guess how long it took her to go to all 195 countries? Somebody said two days. Incorrect. <laughs> Faster than a speeding bullet. The, the, the record time that she set with a Guinness World Record was one year and 189 days. 
faster than any other human has ever been to all 195 countries, broke the record, set the record as a 22-year-old. If you figure that out, it's 554 days, and there's 195 countries. If you divide 554 divided by 195, it comes out to roughly two and a half days per country. She'd be in the United States for two and a half days, then Brazil, two and a half days, then Paraguay and Uruguay and, and wherever. She'd go from country to country for two and a half days and kept up that speed for over a year and a half. Is Jesus, through the Great Commission, telling us, that we need to go to all 195 countries through the course of our lifetime. I don't think so. Here's what I do believe. What I do believe is that Jesus is saying, hey, go, go and do your part in the bigger picture. Because when you're obedient to, to bringing Jesus to wherever God's already placed you, Perhaps the people that you impact will impact people who impact people who impact people who impact people and eventually all nations have heard the good news of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because you were obedient where God has placed you. Perhaps you've recognized today that I'm wearing some brand spanking new 1990 Air Max Nikes. <laughs> and I don't know if you can see them really well. Here's a picture on the screen. You can see that there's, a, there's there flags all over these shoes. One of my buddies, his name is Luke Johnson out in California. Right before I moved from San Diego out to Farmington, just about a year and a half ago, he gave me this brand new box of, of Nikes, and he said, Matt, I want you to have these as you go to New Mexico. And I said, well, why? Well, wh what's the significance of these shoes? And he said, do you see all those flags in these shoes? That represents the Great Commission. He said, Matt, I want you to go to Farmington, and as you impact people in Farmington, who, who impact people elsewhere, who impact people, who impact people, who impact people, he said, Matt, you are part of the Great Commission, and these shoes will be a reminder to go to all nations and change the world. So this is literally the first day that I've ever worn these shoes because I've kept them in a box because they're significant and meaningful. And Luke, I know that you're watching on the live stream right now. Thank you for this gift and the reminder to our community that we have an impact in all nations. Yeah. Could it be that God wants you to go right where you're at? It's, it's nothing wrong with going to China and bringing Jesus to China. There's nothing wrong with going to Brazil. There's nothing wrong with going to the Philippines. There's nothing wrong with going to different places and bringing Jesus there. But there's nothing wrong with going across the street and bringing Jesus to your neighbor. There's nothing wrong with going across the cubicle and bringing Jesus to your coworker. There's nothing wrong with going to your own front or door and going into your home and bringing Jesus into your home. I don't think Jesus intends to us for each one of us to go to all 195 nations. There's nothing wrong with that. But I also think that it's okay to say, I'm going to go to my family. I'm going to go from the Great Commission. I'm going to go to my coworkers. I'm going to go to my classmates. I'm going to go to my teachers. I'm going to go where God's planted me. I'm going to go right where God has me. Look at what Paul said to the church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians 7, 17, in the message translation. He said, don't be wishing you were somewhere or someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right where you're at. Nothing wrong with being a missionary, but there's nothing wrong with being a missionary right in your backyard. And sometimes we get confused as far as, well, we'll let the professional Christians, we'll let the missionaries go out there and change the world and go to all nations. But if you're obedient to where God has placed you, perhaps you're a part of the bigger picture doing your part. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Go to where God's placed you. Go to where God's already placed you. You want to live a life on a mission? Step number one, go. That's part of the, the challenge, part of the mission. If you're willing to accept it, go where God has already placed you and bring Jesus to the people who are close to you already. That's step number one. Step number two is make. Now, make what? Make cupcakes, make cookies, make Navajo fry bread. What are we supposed to make? No, we're supposed to make disciples. Now, what is a disciple? A disciple 
It's a follower of Jesus. How do you make a follower of Jesus? The best way to make a follower of Jesus is to be a follower of Jesus. As you follow after Jesus, invite other people to follow Jesus with you. Invite them into your story. Invite them into your journey. Let them see your failures. Let them see your successes. Let them figure out or watch you as as you're going through God's word and trying to figure out what the Christ-like thing to do is in different scenarios and situations. Bring people along with you. If you're taking notes, you can write this down in your notes. Take somebody with you to make somebody like you. Take somebody with you to make somebody like you. Just make sure that if you're making somebody like you, make sure you're like Jesus. Make sure you're following Jesus. Because if you're not following Jesus and, and other people are following your lead and you're going the wrong way, you got the wrong mentor, you got the wrong leader in your life, you're leading people astray. If you want to make a disciple, invite them to follow after you as you follow after Jesus. Step number one in your mission in life, if you're willing to accept it, go. Go to where God's already placed you. Step number two, Make disciples. How do you make disciples? Be a disciple. Be a follower of Jesus and invite people to follow after you. Take people with you and they will become like you. Third step in becoming a person who lives a life on mission is this. Baptize. Get baptized. In fact, we have baptisms coming up uh, just next week here at Pinion Hills. And I love baptism Sundays because it's a celebration. Quite frankly, I thought about baptizing people yesterday at the fall festival in the dunk tank because I think that'd be fun. Someday, perhaps we'll dunk, dunk, dunk them in there. I, I changed my mind when the 200 pounds of ice got dumped into it because that would be frosty. It's called baptize, not baptize. <laughs> so, so perhaps we're not going to dunk them in an icy, cold waters. But, but I do like the idea of, of creating a celebration. In fact, next week when you come back, we're going to transform the whole plaza into a celebration. Why? Because Scripture says when one sinner repents and turns towards God, the angels in heaven celebrate. And if they're celebrating, shoot, we can celebrate. That's why I like this church out in uh, New England. They, they have a church with a water slide right out, right out back. I think that's, that's awesome. What an epic baptism that would be. It's now on my bucket list to go visit this church. I want to go watch baptisms go down at that church in New England. It's all about celebration. And I love, I love when we have baptisms. We're, we're not going to have a dunk tank or a water slide on stage next week, but we are going to have a baptismal tank up here. And I love seeing people come in and making a public profession of their faith. They're saying, I, I choose to follow after Jesus. I'm choosing to accept his mission for my life, and I'm going to make it public. I don't care if I'm getting wet in front of people. I don't care what my hair looks like. I don't, I don't care if I do like the spraying of the water when I come out of the water. I don't care what I look like. I'm making a public declaration. But here's what's beautiful about baptisms. Not only is it a matter of somebody that's making that choice for their own life, not only is that taking place, but it's also inspiring to other people. When people are up here getting baptized, guaranteed there's people in the congregation that are like, you know what, I need to do that too. It's motivating. It's inspiring. And perhaps the people that are observing baptisms next week might be people that sign up for baptisms in the next time. So if you've been putting it off, maybe you've been putting it off since the last time we had baptisms, and you're like, ah, I'll do it next time. I'll get around to it. I would encourage you, go ahead and take the plunge. <laughs> go ahead and sign up for baptisms. In fact, as soon as we are done with this service, you can head straight over to where this banner is. It says baptism, and Pastor Keith will give you all the ins and outs as far as what you need to know and how to be prepared for baptism next week so you can be obedient and getting baptized. I would encourage you to get baptized. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. People who are wise choose to baptize. People who are wise choose to baptize. Now, it sounds a little cliche, sounds a little cheesy, but it's true. People who are wise are obedient to God's command. And God says we should get baptized. God says we should make a public proclamation of faith. So if you want to be wise in God's perspective, get baptized. Stop making excuses. Stop making justifications. Stop putting it off. Get baptized. Next week we've got those baptisms. And perhaps you'll be inspiring and motivating other people in this congregation at the same time. 
You want to live a life on mission? Number one, go. Go to where God's already placed you. Number two, make disciples. How do you make disciples? You be a disciple, bring people along on that journey with you. Number three, baptize, and you can inspire other people to do the same thing. Number four, fourth way to live a life on mission is this, teach. Now, how do you teach? Some people are like, oh, I'm not a teacher. I don't have a degree in teaching. I don't want to be on stage with a microphone. I don't want to do what you're doing, Matt. And here's the good news. You don't have to. You don't need a degree in teaching. You don't have to work for a school. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't even need a microphone. Look at what 1 John 3.18 says in Scripture. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. How do you teach other people? More is caught than taught. So how do you teach other people? Based on your actions. Based on how you live your life, you don't even have to say anything in order to teach people. The best way to teach them is based on your own example in life. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Use more than speech in order to teach. Use more than just your words. Use your actions. Use your lifestyle. Use how you conduct yourself to lead people, to guide people, to shepherd people, to teach people. Now, I've talked about four different ways to live on mission that we get from Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Four ways to live out a mission if you're willing to accept it. Number one, go. Number two, make. Number three, baptize. And number four, teach. Now, here's the beautiful thing. If you decide in your mind that you're saying, you know, I want to live a life on mission, I want my life now to impact eternity. And if you decide that in your heart, you decide it in your mind. Here's what's awesome. When you make that choice, God says, I'm going to give you the power to do it. Look at what Jesus says in Acts 1.8. He says, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you get power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When you make the choice to, to be on mission, to say, God, here I am. I want to I be in your mission. I belong in your mission that you have created for me. I want my life now to impact all of eternity. He says, okay, you make that call. I'm going to make it happen. I'm, I'm going to give you the power to make it happen. You're able to go and not just impact the people that are in your area and your sphere of influence, but when you make that decision, you're going to have a role in impacting all the ends of the earth. 195 countries, you have a role in that. How awesome is that, that God says, I want you in my mission, in my big picture. You don't just belong in my story or in my heart or in my love or in my hands. You belong in my mission, that you and I get a part of that. What an amazing privilege that is and what a responsibility that is. So here's the question I have for you. If you belong in his mission, are you willing to accept it? Are you willing to accept the mission that God has for you? And if so, What's your next move? If you want to live your life on mission, what can you do today to live within that mission? Perhaps you've got somebody in your mind you, need, you know you need to go to and love them, serve them, forgive them, be Christ to them. Perhaps somebody in your family, perhaps it's a coworker, perhaps it's a neighbor. I have a feeling you know who that person is. Perhaps you need to go to that person and have a conversation. And maybe that's part of the impact that God has for you. Perhaps you need to be more intentional about making disciples, inviting people to, to walk in this journey, maybe inviting people to, to join you in church so they hear the message of the gospel. Perhaps that's part of what your next step is. Perhaps you've been putting off baptism, and you've been pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off, and you've been making excuses for a long, long time, but, but maybe next week is your week to finally get baptized. Or perhaps you just need to teach other people what it is to be a Christ follower. Perhaps what that means is that you haven't been following Jesus all that well, 
and you know that there's actions that you've been doing, and if you teach people based on your actions, maybe there's some actions in your life you need to stop. What is your next move? Friends, we are invited to be a part of the most impactful mission in the history of mankind because it's God's mission for you. Are you willing to accept his mission for your life? And if so, what are you willing to do about it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for a congregation and a community where we can come together and learn about you, but may we not continue just to add on to our knowledge. May we continue to take steps in the right direction. God, what a privilege and honor to, to be a part of your mission, to be a part of the big picture and what you're doing throughout mankind, what you're doing throughout history, and to think that we have a role, to think that our lives right now can impact eternity. What an amazing opportunity that is, and what a significant responsibility that is. So God, whatever it is that, that we need to do, perhaps some of us, we just need to say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to be in this mission. And maybe it's taking a first step in that right direction. For others of us, maybe it's going. Maybe it's making disciples. Maybe it's getting baptized and stop making excuses. Maybe it's teaching. Whatever our next step is, God, will you give to us clarity and discernment as far as what we can do to take our next step, to make our next move in the mission that you have for us in our lives. It is the most significant mission your mission for our lives that we could possibly dream of. So God, may we be obedient. May we feel privileged. May we take this mission seriously as we have the opportunity to bring your gospel, to bring the message of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth, that that message of hope and love and joy would transform people throughout 195 nations because we did our part. God, we love you and we thank you for the fact that you've built us to live out your mission. We thank you for the fact that you give us your word. So it's not a mystery to us. All we've got to say is, okay, God, we're ready. I want to live my life on mission. Allow us to take that next step today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.